we welcome you into the spotlight presented by Alathus Realty Live. Thanks so much for carving out a little bit of your afternoon to join us here today. My name is Drew Brent. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, give us a call 479-968-5668 or cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. One of our fine agents will be held will be able to help you with any of your real estate needs. Easy for me to say here on a Tuesday. Somebody who is far more well-spoken than me is our guest today. He is the judge of Polk County. Polk County Judge Ben Cross is here with us today. Judge, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. Appreciate the invitation to come and visit with you. You know, this is something that, uh, let's clear some things up for the rank and file uh, uh, Russellville Polk County viewer real quick. All right, before we get started into anything. Sure. I believe that your title is a misnomer to folks who don't necessarily understand the structure of government. They will say, well, hey, Pope County Judge, and you don't, there's not a robe one. What is the function of, of the judge over this county? What, what do you do? Well, the Office of County Judge is first and foremost a constitutional position uh, established by the Constitution in the 1870s and has carried forward. And for years, there, there was a judicial role. And then it kind of, uh, I guess it kind of waned in the early 1900s, and then it came back to a resurgence. So now an easy, simplistic thing is to say you're kind of the equivalent of the mayor of the county. But actually, it, since it's a constitutional position and, and all of county government revolves around constitutional offices, then it's, it's really on a separate level of its own. Uh, a county judge, first and foremost, is the chief emergency manager of any county. So there's 75 counties, 75 county judges. Those 75 county judges are charged with all the fiduciary responsibility of the county for every, every dime that's spent, irregardless of what office it comes through. It has to come through the office of county judge first for approval. So you have a fiduciary and a budgeting responsibility. And then you break down into what, what's going on in your particular county. So in Pope County, for instance, the county judge is over the ambulance service, the 911 system, the Office of Veteran Affairs, uh, courthouse operations, the road department, and the, uh, to some extent, the election commission, the, the people that work for the election commission. Uh, another unique thing about constitutional positions is state law mandates that anybody employed by county government must answer to an elected official. So you take your county treasurer, county clerk, circuit clerk, coroner, all those officers, sheriff, all those are elected constitutional positions. And so anybody that falls outside the scope of those individual offices answer to the office of county judge. And so let's take Pope County, for instance, we, we employ about 340 full and part-time people. And of those 340, over half of them answer to the office of county judge. Uh, when you look at our annual budget, it's going to run around $27 million for the whole county. About half that budget, a little more than half, is specifically under the county judge's uh, purveyance because of the fact of the, those six agencies that answer to the county judge. Sure. And so, uh, but back to your question about judicial versus non-judicial. There are instances of judicial uh, proceedings happening in the Office of County Judge, specifically uh, land cases, land lot cases. Uh, we get into a lot of taxation issues. I had a hearing the other day, uh, just, just like a judicial judge would, we had... Uh, attorneys for either side representing clients from either side and it was over a taxation issue 
that falls under the office of county judge. So there is a quasi-judicial role that a county judge plays in uh, specific incidents of taxation. And, uh, and there's a whole list of them that goes on down to vagrancy and, and other titles. So there is a, a, a minor judicial role that a county judge plays, but overall it is the chief executive officer of the given county in the state of Arkansas. And that kind of defines what all happens. We're going to move into that here in just a few minutes, but sure. I find your story fascinating because what you, your background is very much law enforcement, and then you walk into a, a situation where you're on the quorum court, and now you're on the Pope, now you're the Pope County Judge. Let's talk a little bit about that law enforcement background. You, you spent several, what, what 15, 20 years in law enforcement? 30. Before, 30 years. 30, yeah. 30 years. I was trying to give you a little more credit. Than yeah, that. 30 my hair's years a little grayer. In, yeah, 30 years in law enforcement before you, before you came in uh, to the quorum court. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, uh, straight out of high school, I went in the military, went in the Army, and uh, then came back and went to Arkansas Tech, and then uh, started my law enforcement career with the Russellville Police Department at age 21. And I worked for Russellville for uh, a little over five years before I switched to the state police. And then I worked for the state police another 25 years and uh, before retiring. And then before, during, and all that, I was called back to active duty during uh, Operations Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and a lot of people don't know Desert Saber, which was the actual ground war in, uh, throughout Iraq. So I was called back to active duty during that and did a deployment uh, combat deployment during that frame of 1990-91. Then uh, switched over to the state police in 1995 and uh, went up through the ranks there and, and retired uh, January 1st, 2019 to become county judge uh, as a lieutenant uh, assistant troop commander for the state police. So throughout that career, uh, I was also able to serve on the quorum court and uh, was elected to that position for three consecutive terms prior to becoming judge. So that was a, that was a six year term on the quorum court, which uh, gave me a, a vast knowledge of county government operations. And between that and my state service, I had a good governmental backing to, to pursue the office of county judge. And so uh, I did seek out that office after my predecessor decided to retire and uh, was elected by the primary in uh, May of that year. So, I, I do want to I, I want to touch on something that we talked about before we we started recording because we we see you we see your experience we see we see what you do, but there are some interesting some fun factoids about you that maybe I think that people could connect to a little bit. You appeared in several Arkansas State Police commercials. When you walked in here, this is this can be an intimidating uh, scenario for some folks. You were right at home in front of the cameras. You've lived in front of a camera a little bit before, haven't you? I did. I, uh, I had the opportunity during the early 2000s to kind of be the, the face of the state police, so to speak. And I did a number of the click it or ticket commercials, obviously drinking and driving commercials. And uh, and even appear on a few episodes of Real Stories of the Highway Patrol, and yeah. so that was a unique experience. But it was also uh, a learning experience. Real Stories of the Highway Patrol. If you don't know, um, that that show was on back in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. Um, so kids, if you're watching, and I hope that you are. Go look it up. I think it's on Hulu. So go check that out. You might probably see YouTube. Uh, yeah. Definitely see uh, oh, Judge Cross on on YouTube. You're, we're talking to Judge Ben Cross here on the spotlight. If you were interested in buying or selling your home, give us a call four seven nine nine six eight five six six eight. 
Cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. Coming up a little bit later this week, Main Street Russellville director Danielle Hausnick will join us, as well as the empress of downtown. She's got a small empire. Emily Young will be here with us as well. We talked about dog ear books, retro roasts, and much more, so stay with us for the spotlight coming up a little bit later this week. Judge Cross, let's, uh, let's, let's transition now into where we are as a county. There's a national conversation happening right now about infrastructure, especially after the near tragedy between Arkansas and Tennessee and the Memphis Bridge, and then uh, just some conversations about where our infrastructure really lies. Give us a rundown, really, where Polk County infrastructure lies and then where it's going. How, how are we doing? Well, not so good. <laughs> you know, there was a, a mindset of just maintenance for many years. We maintained what we had, and... All those structures are approaching 40 and 50 years old, and I'm namely the jail, the uh, the ambulance service, the 911 center itself is nearly 30 years old. The the jail and ambulance service, the road department are all in the 40 year old range, and so that infrastructure has never really, we've never had a strategic growth plan, and that was one thing when I took over that first and foremost I wanted to run everything as a business model. Uh, for, for generations, this is historic across the country. Government takes in X amount of tax dollars and they spend out X amount of tax dollars and, and it became a maintenance. And for Pope County, it became just a maintenance issue. We put the money back into maintenance, but we never had a strategic growth plan that said, where are we gonna be 25 to 50 years from now? And so my first thing was to let's put us under a business model to where we are trying to be good stewards of tax money and, and apply the money to future instead of just what we're having to deal with on a maintenance issue. So in doing that, uh, Treasurer Larry Holman came up with a great idea of the, the county's coffers, the money, was to bid out our checking account, you know, bid out our checking account for an interest-bearing account. And we, we run several million dollars a year through our account, and the opportunity to earn uh, money on that had never been thought of before. So Treasurer Holman, uh, came up with the idea of bidding out for interest-bearing account. Well, that routinely now produces between two hundred fifty and three hundred thousand dollars a year in interest. Wow, that had never been realized. So, we, I came in looking for new ways to have what I call unallocated, unappropriated new money, and and so that was just one example that Treasurer Holman came up with, and and when I say the elected officials come together in a cohesive unit is an understatement. We, we work together as a team now. So when we're looking at infrastructure and what needed to be done, it's better to have a team assembled to have input than just one person just dictating this is the way we're gonna do it. Right. So we had a number of strategic growth uh, meetings uh, throughout the quorum court, throughout the county, and we developed a strategic growth plan that has never been done before in Pope County. So that was the first step. Let's run everything like we're a business. We're a for-profit business, mind you. And uh, let's run it like we're a business, and then let's have a strategic growth plan that gives us direction on which way to go to allocate what resources we have. Because there's a number of issues out there that are beyond our control. Uh, I know a new jail will cost this county around $50 million. Well, nobody has $50 million sitting around. So we, we know we need it. We know we need to approach how to do it, but that's something we can't fix today. So let's go to the, let's go to the projects we can fix today. 
And so right now we are we have the architectural renderings and we're fixing to implement and build a new corner facility. Pope County uh, has never had a coroner's facility in its existence. And it's really, going back to my state police history, it's really traumatizing to take a family to where our current coroner is set up at the county road department. And it's just a travesty all these years, nothing had been approached to fix that. So we're fixing that. We, we have money in the bank to fix that issue. We're gonna build a new coroner facility from the ground up on county property that I acquired out in the uh, gum log area for a future road department. So we, again, we're, we're taking little bites at a time, but let's accomplish those things we know we can do right now. Uh, the ambulance service. The ambulance service is 40 years old. And, and when I talk about strategic growth initiative, I went back 25 years just to see where we were as a county 25 years ago, where can we anticipate we'll be 25 years from now. And ironically, we've had a 40% population growth in Pope County in the last 25 years, 40%. And so that tells me if we keep on the same trend of population increase that 25 years from now, our county population will be around 90,000. And so that goes back to infrastructure. We, we've identified those things that we have to have to, to keep providing the level of emergency service we have to have. And so the ambulance service. I, I know a new ambulance service will be approximately $6 million to build a facility that will last for the next 50 years. Uh, his, history has provided that 25 years ago, uh, you know, we were serving a population of about, I can just tell you, about 45,000. Now we're serving a population of about 80,000. And if you go back to the beginning, 40 years ago when they built the ambulance service, and I'll give you a little tidbit of trivia about the ambulance service in a minute, but uh, historically that was a male-dominated profession between EMS, paramedics, EMTs. So when the ambulance service moved into their current quarters that are now 40 years old, it was an all-male workforce. The only female was in the office staff. Well, now our entire EMS is about 40% female staff now, but we're still operated out of male-dominated type dorm rooms and, and people are just crammed in because we've had to expand personnel as the uh, population increased right. or call volume increased. They, they answer about 8,500 calls a year in Pope County. Wow. So you do the math of 8,500 into 365 into 24, you're, you're seeing that the call volume is just dramatically increased. Our female workforce has thankfully dramatically increased, but we don't have any place to house anybody or to train anybody. So that's, that's one of those things that we believe that we can take our current funding streams and accomplish that. So we're going to knock out a corner facility. We're going to knock out an ambulance service and, and then start uh, working on those things that are seemingly unattainable and try and find a mechanism to pay for those, which would be obviously a new jail. Uh, our jail, if you want to get into the jail problems, sure. uh, our jail is, is authorized strength of 172. We can hold 172 inmates legally by state law. Jail standards monitors that and we, uh, we one day last week hit 224. That's an all-time high of inmates in a 172 capacity jail. So we hit 224 
and ironically, uh, our female inmate population, we, uh, of the 172, we had accommodations for about 21 females. Well, our daily female jail population now runs about 45 to 50. And so we're having to make housing accommodations inside the jail beyond capacity, beyond uh, female accommodation capacity, all these beyond capacity. So every time jail standards comes and does a review of our jail, we, we're in non-compliance. And you can only do that so far before they say, shut the doors. And used to be, we could, uh, if you were hit in an accident and that driver had no insurance, that person would go to jail for not having insurance for hitting you in an accident. Well, that's a misdemeanor offense, and that just simply does not occur anymore because everybody we're holding is under felony charges. So we are at max capacity just trying to hold the felons in jail and with no consideration for misdemeanors. And, and that's a, a true problem, especially if you're in the, uh, a business and, and you have a theft from your business, you as a business owner would like to see that person locked up. Sure. And, but if it's a misdemeanor offense, that's not going to happen because we are beyond capacity. Well, let me ask you this. Who, who is housed in the county jail right now? You said felons, but are these exclusively Pope County arrests or are we bringing folks in from, from other places? And if so, why? We are a county jail, and so we take arrestees from the county as well as all six municipalities. So the majority of our arrests originate with the uh, Russellville Police Department. City of Russellville arrests account for about half of all people incarcerated in the jail. And then your Atkins, Dover, Pottsville, Hector all contribute in a minor amount, and then the county has the unincorporated arrest there. But the majority of them are Russellville Police Department arrest. And unique to state law in Arkansas, even if the Russellville Police Department arrests somebody, if it's on a felony, once they are charged with that felony uh, and they've had a bond hearing, they, they become a county inmate. I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Likewise, if, uh, if an individual is sentenced on a, say he's a DWI repeat offender and he's got a DWI 2 that would normally carry a 10 to 30 day sentence. Then once he's a sentence misdemeanor, that becomes a Pope County, uh, both financial issue and housing in the jail issue. So once, once we have a felony charge filed, regardless of who arrested them, that becomes a county problem. Once we have a sentence misdemeanor, that becomes a county problem. And uh, so regardless of where the arrest originated, we as a county end up with that financial hardship. So as we're talking about potentially building new jail facilities, I know that there were conversations previous about how we might could do that. We might could expand. There Are there still expansion pods in the county jail now that we could expand off of, or are we talking about building a new facility? If so, you said $50 million. Was that the Was that the price tag? And where does that money come from? Well, there's no room for expansion where we're at. Uh, the current jail is designed and built around an old jail, an even older jail. And so we have problems within problems in the current setup. We don't physically have the land there to expand. The existing jail we have was built in 1981 and then the, the subsequent add-on uh, around 2000, 2001, was built to what I call minimum housing standards. It was designed with open bays to house minimum violence offenders. And that's not who we're housing now. The, the people we have in jail 
people should truly be scared of. And those people are being locked up for a reason, but we're locking them up in an open bay housing that is not conducive to being controlled. And we have found through experience that one little uprising in a jail and you have 40 people in there. 40 people are being housed in these pods and there's no way to separate them. There's no way to contain them if something breaks out in the jail. So the current design is not even a design that would be considered in a, in a modern jail setting. It's just one of those things that it was, it was a poor design that was brought in here uh, initially because we didn't have the felony arrest we had, you know, 40 years ago. And so that it's, it's a poor design that we can't fix where it's at. We can't expand where it's at and we can't fix the way it's designed in the current condition. So that's, that's the problem with the current jail. Uh, interestingly enough, the state legislature passed what's called P3 funding in 2017. And it's taken them until 2020 to actually promulgate the rules by which P3 funding can be had. And essentially what that is is a private-public partnership that allows uh, an entity to come in and build your facility and then you lease purchase it back from them until it's paid off. So that's one option <clears throat> that's been afforded in recent years that was never on the table before is P3 funding. And then of course the only other way you pay for a jail would be a sales tax because we, we're not gonna touch millage. I don't anticipate anybody promoting a millage increase. Uh, a mill frankly does not generate the kind of money that a sales tax does. Right. And uh, a one cent sales tax generates about $12 million a year. One mil uh, generates about 960,000. So there's there's no talk, I don't wanna even be said. Yeah, that that's the next question. Yeah. Is there a sales tax increase coming? Are you are you pushing that? Well, that would be something that the court has to do. That's not a that's not a county judge decision. Cool. And that's something that the if the quorum court goes to that and they do have it on the agenda of all things for this week to talk about. If they go down that route, it will be put to a public vote. <clears throat> they don't have the constitutional authority sure. to, to instate a tax like that. So ultimately the people of Pope County would have to decide do they want to lock up criminals? And and that's kind of where it's at. But the conversation, <clears throat> to be clear, the conversation in the quorum court right now is if we want to pay for this new facility, we are going to propose a new sales tax. Yes. Yes. That That's the only mechanism of funding that the county has at its disposable is millage or sales tax. <clears throat> now, Interestingly enough, and it's an old study, but it's a 2009 study the Department of Parks and Tourism did to uh, determine where Pope County sales tax come from. And the majority, nearly 50% of Pope County sales tax income comes from out of county sources. Mm -hmm. So because we're the hub, you know, of between the interstate, between Little Rock and Fort Smith, Hot Springs and Harrison, because we're the hub that we are, the majority of our sales tax revenue comes from out-of-county sources, and that's from the Department of Parks and Tourism. Let's talk about the strategic growth <clears throat> initiative that you had mentioned early on. You know, that I think that what's interesting to me is, is, is the conversation of where we were 25 years ago versus where we'll be 25 years from now. Judge, what does 25 years from now look like? Well, uh, we talked about the population. You do have a PowerPoint for everything. I you? have a PowerPoint <laughs> for everything. So in the year 2045, 
we can anticipate if we stay on the same growth pattern that we've had since 1995, that that will take us to a population of around 90,000 people. Uh, we know that census responses have not been good. We, we, uh, we really lagged in the 2000 and the 2010 census. And so we, we know in those two census alone, we missed a quarter of the population. And that's a quarter of residents. So we know with only a 75% participation rate, we lost out on 25% of our, our resident population. Now, we won't know the 2020 census until August or September, but if we stay on that same path of a, a, a lax response rate, then we, we know right now today that we're probably touching 70 to 80,000 easy. And we know that in the year 2045, we'll be in that 90 to 100,000 population sure. range. And so with that 40% growth we know we've had over the last 25 years, then anything we build infrastructure-wise needs to be in anticipation of serving that population. If we build for right now, we're behind the day we open the doors. Right. And so we've, we've identified everything from the most critical bridges to be replaced in the county, which I can tell you is Mill Creek Bridge, Center Valley Bridge, and the Griffin Flat Bridge. Those are the three top priority bridges to be replaced in Polk County. Just because population has moved out into unincorporated areas, facilitating more traffic coming in. Right. And so right now today, I have RDOT engineers providing me with a plan to replace the Mill Creek Bridge. And then the next one would be the Center Valley Bridge. And then the third one would be the Griffin Flat Bridge. So we, we have gone into that specific plan for strategic growth as to where populations are moving, where we can anticipate the problems arising. And so we know we've got that. So we, we know we have to build for that 100,000 that's coming because we're, we're not even to compare us with Conway because we don't see that kind of growth, but to compare us to where we need to be 25 years from now, we need to be building for a population 50 years from now right? because that's, that's the average length of our lifespan of our structures. And so if we build a new ambulance service today, we build a new jail today, that needs to service this county for the next 50 years, minimum. And so we need to build it in anticipation of where our county will be then. And that's, that's the whole idea behind the strategic growth and, and having a plan. I, I want to ask, too, a little bit about um, business recruitment. It's a big conversation among the municipalities right now of how do we get more folks in there. Are there county conversations with the municipalities saying, hey, is there a strategic partnership that we can create to help generate some incentives to get new business in in the county? Well, uniquely enough, uh, I serve on the Alliance for Economic Development as a board member, and <clears throat> the mayor does as well, and the mayor of Russellville. And so, yes, we have those conversations. And as an alliance board, we financially support the alliance to, to go out and make those conversations uh, be with, you know, to entertain prospective people to come into this county. You've got to have somebody dedicated full time. And that's the whole purpose of the alliance that we recently renamed the Russellville Regional Alliance to, to give it, uh, again, we're the crossroads. Russellville is the crossroads. Uh, I'll give you another fun fact. Maine and Arkansas, on a daily basis, has a higher traffic count than I-40. The intersection of Maine and Arkansas. The intersection of Maine and Arkansas has a higher traffic count than Interstate 40 on any given day of the week. It's amazing. So, from that standpoint, 
well, we have the alliance for the sole purpose of, of entertaining new industry, expanding current business, and we, we believe we have it on a model now that is uh, progressive. Uh, How's it going? 